This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. You are listening to The Mallory Report, a live radio show that ventures into the mysteries of life, as well as the hot topics of the day, either political or business. Sorry to those folks that had the earbuds on. I just actually pulled my headphones off. That music was really loud tonight. I'm sorry about that. I'm not exactly sure what's going on. I would fire my producer, but then the host would, the show would go away and we can't have that. So, <laughs> have one of those nights. My guest tonight is Nathaniel Gillis. Nathaniel, demonologist. We'll get into all the stuff that he's done through the years, but how are you doing tonight, Nathaniel? Doing good, sir. It's good to be on the show. Thank you. Thank you for hopping on with us. So, help me out here. I said demonologist, and we'll get to all that stuff, but give me the, this thumbnail sketch so everybody out there uh, listening can kind of be on the same footing as we start forward here. Okay, so I grew up in a haunted house from the ages of 8 to, I think it was about 13 or 14. Uh, so through the years of 8 to 14, um, man, I lived in the worst haunted house. I don't know. I don't want to say the worst, but it was pretty bad, man. I mean, I saw shadow figures. Um, I had the same nightmare for months on, on time. Um, I would see a wispy, uh, smoky-like apparition that would that would like go through my door at nighttime and would just kind of huddle in a ball or a cloud in the corner of the room. Um, so at that time that I was living in the haunted house, I was also attending a church, a local church, and everything that I was going through, like they really didn't understand it all. You know, I, every time I would talk to a leader or a minister about it, they would either scoff at me or call me crazy, and then you know. It just frowned on me even coming to them with a stuff. And so after that, um, as I was growing older, I decided to research the paranormal phenomenon to understand more about, about what I experienced, you know, because I realized very quickly that the church doesn't have an answer to it, a lot of this. And so uh, since then, you know, I've been researching the paranormal field, researching ufology, and especially UFO abduction phenomenon so that's that's where i'm at tonight you know that's that's my that's primarily where my research is at so i I know you're not here to talk about this but i've got to ask so yep sorry um you 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 told me right before we started that you left the church around the age of 18 did i have anything to do with the paranormal or was what was going i mean um i'll be honest well spirituality and this whole bundle of things is always an issue for me so Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. I'll ask man. a question yeah. and then throw an opinion on top of it. So <laughs> <laughs> you're good. You're good, man. So you know what? It, it had everything to do with it because um, I grew up in Pentecostalism, and uh, the the demonologists and what they're called deliverance ministers that we had that would come and preach for us, they were nothing like the charlatans you'll see on TV who are trying to raise offerings so they can get a sixty five million dollar jet. <laughs> this is a completely different breed. You know, these guys were, they were legit. I mean, they were legit. And so I, you know, I knew that this phenomenon was real just because of some of the events that I saw take place in my local church, exorcisms, deliverances. So I knew it was legit, 
however, I was experiencing stuff at my haunted house that it really didn't didn't fit in the blueprint of demonology that I was given in my Christian tradition. And uh, at that point, I just kind of left, man. You know, I, I I realized that you know what they don't have answers for that some of the, the stuff. And truthfully, a lot of people that need help, they'll never darken the door of a church. And so once I grew into my gifts and my calling, I decided to take what I have and and, and like make it bigger, broaden it to where I can actually help people in a secular level too. And that's when I started doing my own investigations in, in homes and stuff. So we'll get there, obviously, because that's kind of important. Yeah. But again, I, I'm just beating around the bush or beating back at the bush. I mean, if they were doing exorcism, why... I, I'm I'm trying to draw the connection between scoffing at you and still doing exorcisms because that I mean the, you know this you've you've yep. had these thoughts in your head and I'm just trying to figure out how that works. Uh, well, I'm sorry you said you, you well, don't I mean, understand because, why they were doing that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if they're doing exorcism, obviously they believe there's something else going right. on, and then yes. when you bring something else up, they don't want to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, they're very dogmatic. The church has always been dogmatic. If they if it doesn't fit their certain blueprint, it's it just doesn't exist. They paint you as crazy. They gaslight the heck out of you. Next thing you know, you know people don't want to talk to you. People don't understand you. And truthfully, they they don't want to understand you. And so, as real as the manifestations were in the church, uh, I mean, they were real. We had one guy that was uh, raised in Africa as a missionary's kid, and he spoke fluent French, but he also spoke English. And so there was one day where he was walking the uh, altars, praying for people. And when he did, there was a young lady who literally, she tried to claw him, like her hands, like she formed them in the shape of a claw. And she spoke fluent French and said, Jonathan Suber, do you remember me? (laughs) And he said, yes. I mean, this dude was, oh my God, man, he was legit. He looked right at her and said, yes, I do. I remember casting you out in Uganda. So it was legit, but, you know, they didn't have room for me in terms of my research either. So it wasn't just that that they didn't have room for what I was experiencing. I went far deeper and darker than many of them did. And so they kind of demonized me. (laughs) They demonized the demonologist. How about that? (laughs) Okay, so we're we're building, now we're building bridge forward after now I've kind of got my philosophies. So you you leave the church as a young man, and obviously you was there a gap between? When you started not really. This? Okay, keep not keep going. really. You know, I had, I had researched so much that uh, I got to a point where I knew what I was talking about, and uh, you know, I've been doing investigations for a while. And one day, I just you know, I emailed the uh, producer of Coast to Coast, my very first show I was ever on. And <laughs> oh wait, wait, wait. Okay, this is where this call ends because he's been on coast and I haven't. So go ahead. Oh wait. <laughs> Oh, God, no, no. You know what's you know worse about that? George Norrie's been on this program multiple times. And yeah, I, I, I can't, it doesn't go the other way. That's okay, though. I'd rather have George on oh, here than me man. be on there. So, go dude, ahead. Sorry. Was, yeah. No, you're good. It was, uh, I cried like a baby when I got on, man, because I'm such an Art Bell fan, and I've always loved Coast to Coast. It was a dream of mine. But, you know, I just, I told him that I think that uh, demon, the field of demonology has a lot of things wrong in it and um you know so i got on there and then once people heard me on there man i just you know i I did 50 shows last year and i'm excited about it because i had my heroes you know and i'm finally able to mentor other people into my field which is it's really my calling 
it's my absolute master passion. But um, yeah, so that, that's what I've been doing lately. You know, I've, I've also been focusing on the link between demonology and the UFO abduction phenomenon. That is right where my researcher research rather is sitting tonight, and I know we'll get into that here shortly. So yeah, I was going to say that was that's on the notes because that that gap. Well, you know, I've been referring to building bridges in the last yes, few minutes with all these conversations. That one mm-hmm. we're gonna have we're gonna have to build because that's interesting to me. But I, I want to get into something before because if we get into that, I don't think we'll get the rest of this stuff done. I want to get something done for you. Uh, you've okay. got two books out as well. Can you uh, give me some a little bit about each of them? Yes, sir. So my first book is a moment called Man, and I wrote it in honor of a friend that I lost to addiction. And uh, he was an empath who also was hurt by the church, and he didn't know how to manifest his gift. And so I have a line in there that it's the entire book is is about this line. And I, I say that um, a lot of empaths will medicate the gift they're called to manifest. And so in a moment called man, I deal with what I call the disfigurement of destiny and how empaths can grow into their gifts without feeling guilty for who they are. So that's my first book. My second book is my first okay. My second book is my first book on demonology. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's called The Skin That Crawls. And uh, I go headfirst into the UFO abduction phenomenon, and I link it all the way back back to biblical antiquity. And I say, basically, my entire point of the book is that our ancient ancestors believed the UFO phenomenon was all a part of what's called the afterlife. So they believe that these entities are our ancestors who died and evolved into the beings that are abducting people. And so that's out for pre-order. You can find the link underneath my Instagram bio. Yeah, for those people listening, they'll be surprised to hear this. That My guest tonight does not have a Twitter account. Oh, gosh. I can't take it. I'll I'll admit it to you that I'm addicted to Twitter, so that's that's kind of surprising for people (laughs) out there. Um, No, but I'll go back to the the empath thing for a few seconds here because that's fascinating to me Mm -hmm. because a lot of people, like I, I, I understand the premise that a lot of people feel things and then, like you said, kind of try to avoid them or any number of ways out. So give me a little bit more about how... Oh, if, if somebody is an empath out there, how that book will help. Give me a little bit more on that. Okay, well, basically what it, it helps people do is realize that, that uh, you can't medicate someone else's pain. Uh, and what I mean by that is, as an empath, because I'm an empath myself, when I was growing up, man, I was hurting for other people, and I didn't know I didn't know why. I didn't know what I was feeling. I didn't know if I was hurting because of me or if I was picking up something. And so I had to, I had to evolve into my gifts to, to the point where, number one, I stopped grieving over the fact that I was different than most people. Number two, I began to love myself for what at one time I considered curses. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I grew into a level of gifting that, that allowed me to express myself without feeling alienated, without feeling like I just want to go away and hide. Uh, and so, so what's that, that's led for me in, in my, my own life, my own research is I'll be sitting down at dinner. Like one time I was sitting down at dinner and uh, a lady sat down right next to me and I looked right at her and I said, I don't know what I'm seeing. I said, but I see a, a dark haired, I said, actually it's a black haired man. And I said, he is in bed and he's dying. 
And I said, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what the situation is, but I just want you to know that your family really appreciates all the prices that you're paying for them. She started crying. She said, you know, she said, my husband is dying. He's terminally ill. And I work three jobs to keep everything afloat. So what I do in my book is I help guide people through the emotions of misunderstanding their own selves and how they can grow into their calling. Like I said, without feeling like they're, they're you know, they want to go kill some, kill themselves. You know, that's basically where I'm at. That's phenomenal. Okay, so now we're a hop, skip, and jump away from getting into the actual main event here, folks. So just bear with me for a couple more <laughs> cheap, cheap, cheap questions. So, um, yeah. I hate to ask you this question because I, I, it seems like every time I talk to somebody, I always kind of relate to this and frustrate some people. But I'm here and I'm going to ask it because okay. I, back, uh, let's see, circa 2013, 14-ish, somewhere in there. It seems mm-hmm. like everybody and their brother was putting demonologists on their business card. I'm sure you're aware. Right, right. I mean, I think, uh, maybe, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm I'm kind of removed from all this. No, you're right. You're right. That was. But, well, I was gonna say, has it, it has it slowed down a little bit though? Yeah, it has. And you know, uh, to be honest with you, uh, our demonologists throughout history, <clears throat> excuse me, throughout history, are nothing like they are today. Um. Modern demonologists are people that would say, you know what, I'm going to go into the, the haunted house, I'm going to throw holy water around, quote a couple of scriptures, and if things get too real, I'm, I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. And, and our ancient demonologists, like Sinestraria of Amino, Montague Summers, a bunch of others, man. I mean, these guys were people that were literally uh, walking into homes and writing down the following sentence. These are wind-like spirits that will use metabolized water to manifest in. So what that means is they're pulling moisture out of the air <laughs> and manifesting that and walking. Through. I mean, it was incredible. So the intellectual gap um, between what a lot of people like, you know, I just have a business card. I'm a demonologist. The intellectual gap is astounding. And, and there are a few that I'm personally friends with that are amazing demonologists. So, but, but as in generally speaking, um, aside from them, the, those individuals, the, our field has a, a very big problem. <laughs> I, I guess that's where I was headed because there are some. Uh, how do I say this gently? There are some folks that you wouldn't want to read, have lead a, pr- a prayer group, let alone investigate demons. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, they, you know. I guess a lot of people just want to be Hollywood. And I tell everybody that I'm mentoring, I, I tell them, man, as soon as you go into a haunted situation. And if you're really experiencing a demonic presence, uh, they'll diagnose you right then and there. They'll mock you. They'll scoff at you because they will not respect you. So so that gives us further insight into these beings that they do have a measure of respect for certain people. And they don't have a measure of respect for others. It's really fascinating. Yeah, I was going to say, it, that's why I kind of wanted to bring it up because, that, like I said, it became, it's well, I mean, do I, I should tell this story. To you, yes, sir. That yes, way, sir. I that way, that. that way, we can educate here. That's what this is for. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, probably peak that peak point when everybody and their brother was adding that to their business card, right? Mm-hmm. One of them contacted me about being on the show, and I said, "Oh, you're a demonologist." Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I, I don't try to judge people one way or the other, but I said, "Hey, what what version of the Bible do you read?" And they got offended to me. 
about that. And I said, well, demons, I mean, that's all kind of, there's a link here, right? Yeah, that's hilarious. I'm like, even even if you don't necessarily go to believe a certain church or certain thing, that's right. where this comes from. <laughs> of course it is. And a lot of them will probably just tell you they don't know. Or actually, no, they'll probably do what a lot of others I've seen do is they'll they'll get offended, but they're not really wanting to be offended. They're not really offended. They're just offended that you asked them a question they can't answer. And it's seriously where we're at, you know. I mean, it's it's just really bad. But, uh, yeah, man, these entities, they, they don't play around, man. I mean, well, if we look at the what, devil, That's where I'm headed. You know? Like, I mean, if you're going to get offended in one email, can you imagine how offended you would have been when I got you on the show and asked Are you a real question? <laughs> oh, dude, I had, an, you know, I, I had an EVP come through a show I did about three weeks ago that said, um, you know, I think it said, F you, F you, Nate, and then called me an MFer. Like if if you're gonna get offended over somebody asking you what Bible you, you read, if it be you know you know KG, KJV, if it need to be New Living Trend, if you're gonna get offended at that, dude. These entities have already won the battle. Yeah, I was say, <laughs> and by the way, if somebody's out there reading the King James version, more power too. Yeah, man. Yeah, so you know, I'm the, I'm the same for the for the record. <laughs> okay, so you kind of mentioned going Hollywood and. That's kind of, well, I like I said, a hot skip and a jump, so I'm at the, the hop now, so we're going to get there. Um, uh-huh. t- TV often wants to present things as demons. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm sure you're going to tell me, I'm going to put words in your mouth, and I normally don't like to do this to go, people, my guests especially. Uh, <laughs> demons aren't as common as they appear on TV. Uh, no, they're not. They're not at all. And when you're in the presence of a demon, you're talking about an entity that would have the IQ of 160. He has the pathology of a serial killer. Um, and that's just if he's not an incubus. If he's an incubus, you're dealing with a sexual predator who uh, will groom their female victims in an intercourse and then try to implant seed in their womb. That's what the incubus does. And, and so, you know, it's really funny because you never see an incubus spirit on television when, when they have these paranormal shows, you know. Because there are certain things they want to fake, and there are other things they don't want to fake at all, which would be somebody being physically assaulted by an incubus. This doesn't fit their uh, narrative. So it's really interesting, but it's it's sad at the same time. I'm surprised they haven't, but we'll give it another year or two. Oh, yeah. Oh, the incubi spirit, man. Jeez. It's the darkest of any entity I've ever encountered. I mean, I've had cases, and I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to take trail on this, but I want to demonstrate the power that the incubi spirit has. I've had cases where the entity will literally, literally lay in between the husband and wife at night. Um, it made the husband impotent, and then it was uh, moving in on the wife to a degree where the husband finally just left her. He couldn't take it anymore, and uh, then the entity was began calling her cell phone. This is crazy, man. Um, she told me, she said one day she was uh, fixing dinner and the entity had not, not even called her. It just began to talk to her through the phone. Just said, hey, come over here and answer me. You know, so those are the darkest spirits out there. And you won't see them on these paranormal shows because there's, like I said, there's some things that they'll toy enough with to fake. They won't touch these entities because I think they're afraid that they'll go home with them at night. <laughs> well, I, I can't. I can't 
imagine why they wouldn't go home with them at night. I mean, right. <laughs> somewhere, some. I'm gonna get an email about that, aren't I? Yeah, yeah, probably so. Sounds um, good. <laughs> I, I, that just means people are listening. That's all that means. It doesn't if they're complaining or telling me it's a good show. As long as, long as you can tell they listen, that's all that matters. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so build me the. Okay, let's let's get to this main event here because I I feel I'm intrigued by this. I've been thinking about this all day because I love I, Ghostbusters punchline right. I love when they ca- cross the streams. Um, okay. Because yeah. you're aliens and and demons and oh okay, I don't even know where to start. So I'm just gonna kind of shut up now and kind of give you the floor here to kind of cross because I don't think this isn't normal. <laughs> you know what it should be man I'll tell you what the biggest problem we have right now in the field is that we have ufologists who are t- trying to teach bible scholars how to read the bible and we have bible scholars trying to teach ufologists how to read the data and they're overlapping and they're trying to help each other but at the same time they're st- they're entrenched in their own dogma uh, so, so if someone were to ask me, you know what, do you believe that these entities that are abducting people are demons? I would say no, but they're not, they're not demons in the sense of your uh, traditional religious view of demons. They're not fallen angels. Uh, so, so we have to remove that, that um, sacred cow the way immediately. And so, so what really happens is that we have ufologists that will say, you know what, you, you, you demonologists are trapped in dogma and you think all of these entities are fallen angels. And then I answer them back and I point right in their face and say, well, no, we don't believe that they're fallen angels. And because you believe that we think they're fallen angels, you're entrenched in the dogma. You believe we are entrenched in, right? <laughs> don't, right. Play, play stupid games, win stupid prizes, you know? Um, but that, that's my main point here. So, so if we look throughout history and biblical antiquity, our ancestors... Uh, perceived these entities as ghosts, as disincarnate spirits. Matter of fact, if we go back to the necromantic rites in Mesopotamia, uh, they have what are called the teraphim. And I know that's a Hebrew word, but it originated in Mesopotamia. Teraphim was when a necromancer would go out and, and dig up a corpse out of a graveyard, stick it in the bottom of his basement, and then he would take a small piece of metal implant and carve the name of an unclean spirit on it and once it did the consciousness of that spirit would merge with the metal and then he would take that piece of metal and place it in the mouth of the corpse that entity we call it possession but they call it necromancy that entity would begin to communicate through the mouth of the corpse now that's the first historical reference to the modern implant they were merging their consciousness with metal. And so when we go throughout all of the Levant, Mesopotamia, Sumeria, and we read even the Phoenician texts, it's impossible not to see that our ancestors didn't, they, they didn't believe these entities were fallen angels. They really believed these entities were their deceased ancestors. They were ghosts of people who either died early or died without fulfilling their potential. And now they're creating bodies for themselves. And I'm going to let that rest for now because we can go any direction you want. Yeah, I was going to say, I need to catch up. I need to catch my breath because um, I, I 
uh, there's multiple levels of multiple thoughts and right. Um, I, I'm back to the middle for a minute because that just kind of blows mm-hmm. my blows my mind for a minute. Mm-hmm. So they just because I you know I always you know go back to the Ghostbusters reference I guess for the easiest sake of trying to frame this in an understandable way for people besides me and you to kind of come to grips with this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, trying to proton pack them in, so to speak. Um, trap, uh, uh, that's, it just loses. I, I don't know how you get, I'm stuck on it. I'm sorry about how you get somebody, somebody, well, an energy source into a piece of metal and then right. have them come back. And we of course, we're also, you know, I'm also thinking, you know, everything energy, right? So what's everything the energy. energy well, what they were doing, okay, like even if you go back to the idols that they were creating in, in antiquity, um, they would call they would they were called house gods or family gods, and what they would do is if they had somebody who died in their family, uh, they would bury the body, but then they would go make an image of that family member out of metal, and then their they believe that the consciousness of their deceased ancestor would live in that metal image of themselves. That's why you know that's where a possession first began throughout history. And uh, I also believe, by the way, that's why 65% of abductees say that when they touch down on the ship, that the ship itself is alive, right? Because I believe what, they're, what they've learned how to do is merge consciousness with metal. And so now the ship itself is a life form and it is alive. So, so that's just one instance to where the ancient form of demonology mirrors uh just you know ufology it really does so help me out here because mm-hmm. we, we, we're talking about past relatives and all this other stuff and right. how we'd bring their spirits back mm-hmm. how, how do we get from there to aliens okay well i think aliens is um i don't think it's true Jacques Vallée in his new book the trinity comes out and says he no longer holds to the et hypothesis what he believes is that we're dealing with interdimensional beings. Number one. Number two, Chris Bledsoe, the number one abductee in the world. The Chris Bledsoe says the entities that he encountered were like ghosts. They were translucent. And so unless unless we get back to, I mean, okay, let me just say this. Unless our researchers get back to the incubi phenomenon throughout the years, even as far back as the medieval period, we will not get a, a firm grasp on what this phenomenon is is all about. So, so can we go? Yeah. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was going to, we're going to go into the incubus phenomenon real quick. Uh, but, but whenever you're ready, cause I don't want to like pig trail and, and miss anything. So no, okay. <laughs> I, I hold that for, for a few minutes and then I, I got one more question then we can obviously get there. Um, mm-hmm. so you're telling just, just so I'm making sure I'm all on the same page or at least <laughs> in the same book here. Um, yeah. so, so you're, you're you're saying the ghost phenomenon, the demon phenomenon, and the alien phenomenon are one almost in the same. They're one and the same. They're absolutely one and the same. Okay, just making sure. Yeah. Like I said, making sure I'm ca- I've caught up to the home team. Okay. Yeah. Um, so go ahead, go with the uh-huh. incubi stuff while I process that for you and try to keep up with what you're saying. Okay. So yeah, <laughs> uh, the incubi phenomenon goes all the way back to Mesopotamia, and uh, it's really about the legend of the Nephilim. And I, I know you probably heard about that, or you probably had somebody on the show that talked about it. 
Um, but for those who uh, don't know, because I didn't know at one time either, uh, the legend of the Nephilim basically said that there were people who lived and died, and uh, many of them were warriors who died on the battlefield. And what they did in order to recreate a new body for themselves, because now they're ghosts, what they did is they went and they interbred with women, our women, mortal women, and then they created a species of necromancer. They were called the Nephilim in, in the Bible. And uh, these were necromancers. They were, they were sorcerers. And so basically, like like when I went back to Genesis 6, it really it was ambiguous to me. And uh, the chapter didn't really shed any kind of light on how it actually happened, what the behavioral patterns of these entities were. And it wasn't until I got a hold of an ancient manuscript called the Apocrypha of John that, that mentions Genesis 6. It wasn't until I got a hold of that that I really dug into this and I thought, oh my God, you know, it's the exact same thing as the UFO abduction phenomenon. Um, now, if I, if I talk too long, man, just tell me to shut up and I'll, you know. You've, got half, you've got half an hour. I'll tell you to shut up when the show's over. I told you <laughs> that, don't I? <laughs> All right, buddy. But uh, in the Apocrypha of John, it said that these entities first manifested to women as apparitions. Exact same thing. Translucent entities. Transl- yeah, just like apparitions. Uh, and so they, but they would wait until their husbands, these women, they, he would, they would wait till their husbands were gone. They may have you know, died or they may have went out and got a bottle of wine. Maybe they were at work. Whatever happened, these entities manifested in the images of the husband that was away from the wife. Isn't that interesting? And and so so while they're appearing to the wife as the image of her husband, they then looked for a form of belief. Do you believe I am who I say I am? Or more importantly, do you believe I am who I appear to be? And if they acknowledge that, they would have intercourse. Excuse me, they would have intercourse. And uh, they they would they would uh, manipulate that woman into intercourse, and at the moment of conception, I'll keep it PG for everybody. At the moment of con- uh, conception, they performed a ritual. They stared into the eyes of the woman, and then they reversed their image into the apparition that they truly looked like. Now. According to history, we, we, re- we really didn't understand why they were pe- performing that ritual. We didn't understand what that ritual meant to them or why they were doing it, like I said, until we, we noticed that that ritual itself stems from what's called an obstetric tradition. Obstetric tradition. Obstetric is a fancy word for childbearing and fertility. What they believed as the, our ancient ancestors was that whatever man the woman was focused upon at the moment of conception, she will birth the material image of in her womb as a child. Right? You follow me? Yeah, I'm following you. Somehow, somehow. (laughs) Yeah. So we have our apparitions that are creating their own bodies that look like their apparitions. And so if we go back into, I mean, like, like Dr. Carla Turner's work, who's a, you know, for those who don't, don't know her, she's a famous uh, UFO abduction researcher. She had a case with a man named Ted Rice. Ted Rice was abducted with his grandmother. They were on the ship. <laughs> and this entity as a hybrid manifested and began to walk and 
walk up to his grandmother and try to groom her into intercourse, right? That, that's the behavioral pattern here. And when she said, I've only been intimate with one man, that's my husband, he's been dead for 11 years, guess what they did? They changed their image into her husband. <laughs> this, is, this is called sexual pathology. And we see that all throughout possession cases. We see that all throughout the incubi cases. And also, this is going to blow your mind, also in the debuk phenomenon, the dibic phenomenon of the 16th century. It's, it's all throughout it. But that's just one. That's another um, key point that links this these two phenomena together. So this is going to sound very simplistic, and I don't mean it yep. to be disrespectful. No, it's okay. Um, are there more cases of this type of activity presently or at some point in the past? Uh, all of the above. Um, I did, I'm glad I you could give me a simple answer to a, a simple question. I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, man, dude, I, I've had uh, I've had cases, um, especially last year. There were women that were messaging me and emailing me saying that uh, that it's not about pleasure to them; it's about impregnation, which is exactly right. Okay, right. Um, in the info abduction field, we call that the missing fetus syndrome. Well, in history, they called it the incubi. In the medieval period, your demonologist called the incubi spirits larva, right? Because they were implanting themselves in the woman. So, so when I went back through demonology and started researching this phenomenon, I, I found a demonologist by the name of Father Sinistrari of Amino. He was a Franciscan priest. And Father Sinistrari was able to go into homes within an hour of the incubus spirit being present. And he was collecting semen samples left by the entity on the bed. And? Yes, he said that they came from dead people. The semen itself was discolored, it was yellow, it was dark brown, it was black. And so what they were doing, these entities were doing, as far back throughout history, they were uh, going to the recently deceased men and what Sinistrari calls milking their carcasses. So, so this abduction phenomenon, you're about, it's been through, been going throughout history, but it's changed faces, right? So if you go through like Mesopotamia, they weren't abducting people like they're doing it now. They were manifesting as what people would call demons. And, and it's just such a fascinating thing, but I'll shut up for now. No, no, you're, you're fine. <laughs> I, I, I'm just stuck at this, uh, the dead people thing, because especially like I'm thinking about now where we start involving people and draining things and all this other stuff. Yep. I mean... This is a bad. This is kind of. Oh, I can't even use this line. I have to figure out a different way to say this. Ah, screw it. I'm going with it. I mean, because we've literally sucked the life out of people now. Yep. Blood and organs yep. and all that. You know, like this is not. That's the best way I can put it. So, I get. I guess this is maybe more of a object subtract or a more mythical right. question. And uh, is this is this going to go away? As we like I said, as we're changing how I mean because back in the day I mean we just yeah you know we just let them go right yeah. we never involved them right so what they had to do is they had to adjust their um, technologies they had to adjust their plans for us and so now that our funerary rights have called up with science right they're not doing that they're abducting people and doing the same thing but they're doing it through abduction and uh, so you know this phenomenon is one of the same um, like, but it's it's more than just um, them abducting bodies. Now, this is going to be a game changer. I'm going to see how much time we have because I don't want to. Twenty four minutes. Okay, so watch this. I had a um, 
Okay, I had a remote viewer, actually the son of a remote viewer, contact me after hearing one of my shows. And he's like, you know what? He goes, a lot of what you said tonight resonated with me. And he's like, I just want to talk to you on the phone. He said, because my father was a famous remote viewer. He was paid by the government, paid by politicians, paid by celebrities to get readings. And uh, he said, but I don't know really who to talk to about this. So I said, okay, what's going on? He said that whenever his dad would leave his body, um, he would meet these guides of his. And he said those were the entities that would give him direction and readings for people. And he said, but one night, he said, my dad came stumbling down the stairs. He was inconsolable. He was uh, white as a sheet and terrified. He could hardly talk. And he said, we were asking him questions like, Dad, what the heck happened to you, man? Like, what's going on? He said, as we're talking to him, he said, we saw religious amulets being carved onto his chest. It's the same phenomenon I've seen in in hauntings where they'll scratch us. But these entities were carving amulets into his chest. So, So we had a heart attack that night. And he said that, that we took my dad to the hospital. We gave him some happy pills. We finally got him sedated. And he told us what happened. He said, I went to my usual place during my remote viewing. I met with the usual entities I thought that I've always been meeting with. He said that these entities were different. When I got there, they gave me some things for people that I was doing readings for. He said, but before I left, they reversed their apparition to what they truly looked like. And he said it was horrifying. And so so my, the most important aspect of this is that the following, okay? That it happened to the soul first, I believe. And then when that soul got into his body, his body began to manifest what was on the soul or what they put on the soul. Now, I have a second case of that. Second case of that uh, as an illustration. Betty Luca, one of the great abductees, Betty Luca and her husband, Bob, were both of both abductees. But Bob's testimony, he said that one night he turned around, he rolled over to see his wife's soul being pulled out of her body and going through the wall. Okay? Yeah, I'm following you. Okay. And so uh, um, Betty Luca herself, she was conscious through the abduction. Without eyes, she saw, because it's her soul there, this is her. This is their testimony, man. It's cra- It's very fascinating. Uh, but she remembered it all. She was conscious. She wasn't in her body, but she was conscious enough to understand what was going on. So now, watch this. So now, when she gets back into her body, because Bob Lucas saw that too, he, Bob Lucas said, as soon as she got back into her body, her body began to manifest a skin condition. Right, okay. scoop marks. Scoop marks. So they didn't take the body. They took the soul, but the body manifested scoop marks. So it happened to the soul first, body second. What do you know if we go into the Bible that leprosy was never what we have? Like it wasn't never the Hansen's disease of modernity. Their form of leprosy, according to the rabbis, was a spiritual condition first. You see where I'm going here? Yeah. And then secondly, it was on the skin. More importantly, they said that anyone who had the, that, that form of leprosy, they must have come in contact with what is called in, in the Hebrew, Lashon Hurrah, the evil tongue and or false prophets. Now, I never understood the false prophets that he was mentioning, but I, I realize now that uh, what they're doing is that um, they're, they're, they're abducting people, right? 
in their false prophets. So Ezekiel 13 says this. He says, those who hunt the souls of men to make them fly. Isn't that incredible? It's right in the Bible. But... <laughs> Yeah. They're soul hunters. They're soul hunters. Those who hunt the souls of men to make them fly. Now, they're not just soul hunters. They're not just ghosts. What they are, they're necromancers. So in Ezekiel 13, he says, this is interesting. When he says that they hunt the souls of men to make them fly, that's a reference to the Egyptian Baal soul. Uh, the pictorial tradition throughout history was a bird. And what they believed is that when someone died, their soul would fly out of their body. Hello, buddy, Luca. And that this is this is incredible, man, that uh, these entities would capture that soul that's been separated from the body. This is exactly what we're dealing with in the UFO abduction phenomenon. Exactly to a T. And so while I do believe that obviously they're abducting uh, bodies to to uh, get semen and they're, they're abducting bodies to get over. Uh, more importantly, they're abducting souls too, and so that should open our in, in our our ears and eyes to understand this because it's it's far darker than a, a lot of researchers have have produced. I mean, it's pretty bad. It really is. So uh, it's going to sound like a weird question because it is at this point, but here we go. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I'm guessing you don't believe in re reincarnation, then. Um, I do. I do because I if I think it. If you're going where I think you're going, you're probably going to go to um, even Alexander's work. I don't even know where I'm going at this point. It just kind of came to my mind as we're talking about reanimating souls, and I'm thinking, okay. you know, right? Just like I said, right. it just kind of crossed my mind. And well, sometimes it's better to go if that's just fresh than what you're trying to catch up on. Right? <laughs> um, yeah. So there's a guy out there named Ian Stevenson, and Ian Stevenson worked works, or he actually died. So he worked with uh, individuals who had claimed to have past lives. Now, their birthmarks, right? Skin condition, right? Their birthmarks were said to have been in the image of the wound that killed them in their past life. Yeah, I've, I've heard that more times than I care to admit. Go ahead, continue. Right. So when that soul enters the body, it manifests itself in the skin, on the skin, rather. And so, so when we get this this idea that they're not just pulling bodies out of beds, they're pulling souls out of bodies, then we're right back we're right back into biblical antiquity, and we're dealing with these false prophets, who Dr. Carla Turner said are constant liars. They lie. They'll they'll walk to, they'll come up to us in the image of a deceased loved one. They'll come to our women in the, in the image of the deceased husband. And, and that's and particularly that's how they would groom people into intercourse. That's how they would take over. That's how they would implant semen. It's incredible. But our, our researchers right now are missing that point. It's not just a physical abduction. They're pulling souls out of bodies. And any technology in the world, get passionate, man, so forgive me. Any no, technology ahead. in the world that could pull a soul out of a body, that's a threat. Well, uh, I think that should go without saying, but I think you just said it, so we're going to go with it. Right. So, help me out here. Mm -hmm. One more, one more wild thing here for you. Okay. The the uh, the UFO phenomenon, right? Mm -hmm. Totally. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously they, that kind of gets lumped in with the alien phenomenon, right? But it, uh, where you're at isn't necessarily the same thing. So, are people seeing things in the sky? Mm 
I guess is the way I want to go with it. Yes, yes, they are seeing physical ships in the, in the sky. They're also seeing what are what I call apparitional ships. And uh, ATIP, the ATIP program with Luis Elizondo, they've actually released some of the, the videos and photography. Like if you go to Mystery Wire right now on the Twitter account or their website, George Knapp has actually put out images of this same phenomenon. And so we're literally seeing ships that have an apparitional quality to it. They're lit, like they look like clouds that are in that are in the shape of saucers or in the shape of an orb. And so what we have to do is we have to look at the comparative what's called comparative etymology. We have to look at the uh, behavioral patterns of these entities. And if I believe if we do our research in the field, we'll, we'll go head and shoulders over everything we've, we've known. So questions I'll hate myself for in the morning, but I just want to ask mm-hmm. it because uh, you'll understand here in about 15 seconds. So where does Bigfoot factor in all of this? I don't know. I have no idea. I, I don't know. Um, I think that there's some evidence of Bigfoot, but I would say we have a heck of a lot more evidence of the UFOs than we have Bigfoot. So I'm hoping that if we can solve the UFO enigma, that that will kind of bleed and, and bake into the Bigfoot mystery. Because I've heard before about people saying he's interdimensional and all this other stuff, so I was kind of wondering. Right. If... And, Paul, yeah, well, uh, and I'm only yeah, asking. I'm only. I'm only asking because then I can put it in the search notes because people <laughs> search for that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, I, it's a question I hate myself in the morning for asking because it doesn't really fit. But uh, it, people it, are looking it, for it, these it, kind of things. So. Yeah, it's interdimensional. Um, it has to be. You know, because these things have created huts out of foliage and sticks and all that stuff, and yet we can't find them. So it's almost as if, like I said, you know, like you said, they're interdimensional. They'll be in one spot, and they'll be in one small room, and then they'll, they'll leave to a bigger room, and then we don't see them anymore. That's just very that's, – that, that's one of the craziest aspects of this, especially so, in the crypto world. <laughs> so awkward – wrong radio pause here because I know you said you did 50 shows last year and I asked you to talk about the books and then I didn't ask the standard follow-up question which I've done for years and I you know now I'm just going to do it because I, I feel like I need to I mean yeah. I, I think most people know the answer to this question by now but I'm just going to give you the opportunity in case there's somewhere else that I'm not thinking of where can people get the books okay so a moment called man can be found on Amazon and uh, it's gotten great reviews thank God I put a lot of my scars into it uh, you know, a lot of things I've been through, I talk about. Um, and then I, uh, the skin that crawls, you can pre-order it by following me on Instagram and clicking the link underneath my bio. And there we go. Easy enough. Well, kind of. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so you said your first book about demonology, which kind of leads me to um, ask this question. Are you working mm-hmm. on another one? Uh, my third book? Am I doing yeah. that? Um, I want to wait until J- the June disclosure comes out before I dive into my third. Um, the third book is going to be deeper and more intense than The Skin That Crawls. So we'll, we'll see. You know, I, It's going to take me a while to get the ideas out and get some of these ideas flushed out for my third book. Because the second book is already flushed, right? It's already got... We already got there so I, I don't know you know i want to wait until they they come out with their stuff to, to really get an idea of what i want to write about do, do you think uh, you're the first person to mention this june disclosure and i haven't had an opportunity to talk to anybody about it so 
Unfortunately, tag, you're it. Um, <laughs> it's all do, good. Do you, really, do you really think there's going to be anything of substance that will change anybody's mind who may be on the fence? I don't know. I, I agree with Richard Dolan when Richard Dolan says there's a, there's a red line that can never be crossed according to the government, and that would be them admitting that there is an ET or interdimensional presence in the Earth. Um, I think that they're not going to go as far to say that, but I do believe that they're going to say, hey, listen, there's something here that we cannot compete with. You know, they're shutting down our nuclear weapons from 70,000 feet in the air. I mean, any of this should should really concern us as mortal humans. Um, so if it's anything, I believe it's going to be more of the same. It's going to be exactly what we've had in the past. It'll just be a little bit more, right? A little bit more of the same. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought gonna get too deep. Yeah, I was going to say, not gonna get too deep. I, I don't think they're going to give us everything because they've never given us everything on anything. Exactly right. <laughs> even things, and, even things yeah. that. Like the, I, I always bang on the JFK assassination. I, I'm fascinated mm-hmm. by it, but mm-hmm. at least we still can't even get unredacted things about that, and that was 60 years ago. Right. And here's the other problem that I have: if if the Warren report says it was Re Harvey Oswald, Re Harvey Oswald, why do we need to hide anything? Right. Right. Exactly <laughs> right. You know, it's the age of secrecy and, and disinformation, man. <laughs> but um, I don't know what we're going to find out, if we're going to find out anything, but I'm hoping that they'll give us further clarity. But truthfully, man, if they're going to come out and say that, you know what, there, there are extraterrestrials or there are interdimensional beings, and they come out and say that they're shutting down our, our all of our defenses, they're blocking our radar, they're blocking our sonar, I mean, why would they want to tell us that, dude? We would lose, like, people, you know, if, if they have um, issues or whatever, I mean, this could really ruin a lot of things in our world if they came out and said that. Yeah, as I say, if, if the last year has taught us anything, we're not ready to uh, admit that something else <laughs> might be out there. Yes, sir. We had a test run. We failed. <laughs> as you say, um, toilet paper shortages would be the least of our problems. Oh, yeah. No, like, uh, we don't have any gas, but what's that in the sky? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, so we'll see, man. I think if if anything does come, it'll be sky related. I don't think we're going to get anything interdimensional. I think we're um, just for the, well, just for the people yeah. out there trying to wanted to me to throw my two cents on it. There was, That's, yeah. We'll we'll see, man. I mean, even if it is um, UAPs out there, these these things are popping in and out of our reality. Um, like if you look at the radar and the sonar records. These these things are dropping out of the sky from eighty thousand feet to one thousand feet in a second. Boom! It's not like they're just dropping. No, it's like they 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 went somewhere at eighty thousand feet and then popped out somewhere at one thousand feet. That's what they're they're realizing. So I mean, it's it's going to get crazy, man. I mean, it's as if it's not already crazy. Uh, <laughs> it's pulling souls out of bodies, man. I don't know. I mean, if if, if that's not apocalyptic, I don't know what is. <laughs> Well, they're, they're, you know, of course the minds were just a little bit wrong. Of course it's 2021, so maybe somewhere somebody was dyslexic or something. I, you know what it sounds like? It, it sounds like the aliens are looking back at 2020 and says, hey, Corona, hold my beer. <laughs> uh, could be. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I hope not, man. I really don't. 
Well, something has to, right? I think it's just kind of at that spiraling point of something's going to be something. Yes, sir. <laughs> That's good We're right there. Something's going to be something. Put that on a T-shirt. <laughs> That's right, the most ambiguous thing in the world. Yeah, something is going to be something. And when that something's something... We're going to know something. Someday, somewhere, something will mm-hmm. be known. <laughs> oh. Boy, if that was, that's, that should be the working title of my book. Something, someday, somewhere. Uh. <laughs> you know what that reminds me of? It reminds me of, uh, the, one, one episode in The Office where Michael Scott is asked by David Wallace, you know, he says, you're, uh, he says, Michael, your branch is the only profitable branch in the country. He's like, and regrettably, I have to ask you, how do you do it? <laughs> And Michael Scott says, well, under no circumstance, I don't care who you're with or what you're doing. I don't care if you're with your, you know, you, he goes on this pig trail. And then when they interview Michael Scott, he says, sometimes I start a sentence and I have no idea where it's going. <laughs> <laughs> and so then it flashes back and Michael's still saying, and under no circumstance, he just was, couldn't do it. It's so funny. All right. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that's, that's, it's good too. I, I enjoy The Office. I, it's one of those sh- I, I people that don't get it don't get it, and of course there's shows right. like that. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I I enjoy Seinfeld as well, and of course there's an, my wife, bless her, she mm-hmm. doesn't, she doesn't get it. Like she, well, I, she I'll take that back. I was watching it the other day on Hulu, and mm-hmm. she actually laughed, which means I've watched it enough that she actually you know is starting to catch what it is. So mm-hmm. maybe, right? But it's you know one of those. It's one of those things. I don't know. Go ahead. I'll tell you what, man. There's all, uh, and I know this is your 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 listeners are probably like, oh my god, I did not sign up to listen. To oh, they they Seinfeld and Fred, you know, <laughs> they, oh they, they 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 listen to everything I throw at them. They they get all sorts of oh, good stuff. God, sweet man. So there's you know, if your wife doesn't like it so much, show her the episode where Kramer and Newman start recycling pop cans, <laughs> and so Newman and him they're both on the highway, and. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Kramer's like, man, he's like, we're we're holding this this truck down. He's like, somebody weighs too much, and so he looks at Newman and kicks Newman out of his own truck, <laughs> and Newman is falling and stumbling on the highway. <laughs> and Kramer, oh, shut up, dude! But that was so no, funny. no, yeah, that is good, that, man. That's awesome. That is good. I had thought, yeah, I hadn't really tried to figure out which one to person make you know actually make her watch because I've just been watching them. Actually, you know what happens though. This this is what happens. Mm-hmm. It just becomes background noise for me. And every once in a while, you look up and it'll be that line, and you you, you can laugh. You don't have to be oh yeah hyper focused on it, which is good. That's some good TV, man. That's that's some old school shows, man. I'm I'm a '90s kid, so I grew up on that. And uh, Frasier, Frasier is one of my faves. It's not my my absolute favorite, but they don't make shows today like they did back in the day, man. No, they definitely don't. not. And you know, I was talking about this show the other day with one of my my Twitter followers. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Sorry, you don't mm-hmm. have any of those. Um, <laughs> no, an underrated show from the 90s, and I have to say this, and I have to get this on the record, because I think it's going to come back for some reason, and that's mm-hmm. News Radio. I don't know why. I think that show was underrated yeah. in its day. And I think mm-hmm. it's, it's sneaky. Phil Hartman, man. Sneaky funny. Oh, God. Phil, he was a best, man. He was incredible. It's a shame what happened to him, but yeah. Um that's right, man. I hope they bring it back. But the, the damning danger of reviving old shows. Oh, no, no. I'm not saying, like, bring no. it back. I think it's going to... Oh. People like us okay. are going to start talking about it, and people are going to be like, News Radio, I didn't watch that when it was out the first time. Right. 
die. And now that's it's actually just gonna... the best feeling in the world, right? Because you're like, I never watched that. You, you dive into it. <laughs> I love that. So for those people out there who kind of like The Office and kind of like Seinfeld and haven't heard of this news radio stuff that we're talking about, what? Sorry, I'm reading my chat room. We're live, so you'll have to apologize for me just dropping a You're what. Right. Um, Germantown Runner just popped up in the chat room. News, new Night Court is getting a reboot. What? Why? Why? <laughs> I hear Frazier's getting a reboot too, man. And I'll continue. Why? I know, right? I'll just stick with the old stuff, man. But yeah, there were better shows back in the day than there are now. I mean, obviously, I'm glad that they're trying to make these shows but you look at some of the shows that um, they're making now and it's you just can't do what you did back in the 90s or late 80s or heaven forbid earlier than that mm-hmm. it's a whole different world man sadly I don't know I don't know if it's good bad or indifferent of course someday I'm sure people listen to my show and go that guy was a nut no <laughs> <laughs> he talked no, like that Oh, man. Man, so. nah, I don't even I don't even know where to go. We've got a minute and a half left. I don't I feel like I <laughs> I'm at that point where Oh boy. So <laughs> first first and foremost I guess I'll go here. Uh thanks mm-hmm. for coming on and hanging out with me and, and enlightening no me problem. and uh, entertaining me too. We kinda got all that other stuff, so that's all good. Kinda glad yeah, we got man. we got to end it on a uh, I don't want to say upbeat note, but I don't want to say happy note either, but it was good to have a, a, a lighter note for sure. Yeah, because <laughs> we were laughing before we started the show, and then, man, we, we got pretty deep there, and now we're kind of back to laughing. So that's all how I kind of like oh, to, yeah. to have things go. So That's good, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you guys had me on, and um, thank you for the opportunity to talk about my research. It really meant a lot. Yeah, thanks, man. And um, if, if, what, when that, well, if you do write that third book, make sure Michelle bugs me and gets you back on and all that fun stuff. Awesome, Bob. All right, and I have more jokes lined up, too. It'll be a blast. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. So we'll we'll have a good time. Okay. Have a good evening. Thank you. you too. So that's Nathaniel Gillis there. Um, kind of wrapped him a little short here because I didn't really run. I just kind of ran out of where I wanted to go with him, and I didn't want to get started into something else. So if you haven't, I know most of you have, but there's a bunch of you out there who listen to this show. Monday through Friday, Saturdays and Sundays, right? Uh-huh. Um, who don't take the time? Leave those reviews. Leave those comments places. Um, a lot of great things happening around the world right now with podcasting. I don't know if you've all caught that, uh, but it's it's booming right now. And uh, it's a hard market to crack, so everything, every, everything helps. And um, so, yeah, thanks for being here. Thanks for being part of this all. Uh, paranormal the next few weeks so if you're if you're a paranormal fan look out this is probably the month for you um next well until the first week of june when um we talk about whatever that is we're talking about i had totally slipped my mind but we'll get there next two weeks for sure paranormal a little bit spiritual and then we'll have uh we'll have another one of the best guests in the history of the show I, yeah yeah one of my favorite guests in the history of the show so Looking forward to that as we stare down the 10-year anniversary of the show and get back to producing uh, whatever we're going to go with next. So, I want to thank you all for listening. Uh, Brian, don't hurt yourself on your way out. Uh, Duck Pond is soft, so please remember that. Have a good evening, everybody.
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Mail Report. Stay tuned for details on saving money at the Duck Pond Shop. I hope you enjoyed this report. Please subscribe so that you can join us again. And if you appreciate the show, leave us some stars or a review. For more notes from this show or other great shows, check out Mallard.com. A reminder, the views and opinions of the show are those of the host and guest and do not represent any sponsors, affiliates, or any other partners of the Mallard Report. Now for your money-saving tip. Promo code Mallard at checkout of DuckPondShop.com where you can get your t-shirt, coffee mug, and other great products. That's promo code Mallard at checkout, DuckPondShop.com. Until next week, stay safe and keep whacking. Welcome to Anthology of Heroes, the podcast that explores the most pivotal moments of history through the eyes of those who lived it. In this podcast, we don't spend our time recounting facts and dates. Instead, we follow in the footsteps of national heroes, kings, or ordinary people who lived and breathed the moments that shaped our world. We're not hemmed in by eras, borders, or religions. Instead, we seek out the tales of those who defied the odds and fought passionately for their beliefs. Whether they're right or wrong is up to you to decide. From Vercingetorix's doomed rebellion against Rome, to Osceola's unshakable war against the USA, all the way up to the inspiring Sobibor concentration camp uprising in World War II, each episode is an immersive listening experience, blending music and sound effects to really draw you into the story. Our episodes go for about 45 minutes, making them perfect for your commute, and are crafted using a wealth of historical sources, which I list on our website if you want to learn more. I'm the host, Elliot Gates, and I'm thrilled to have you joining me as we uncover history's hidden gems and illuminate the faded pages of our past. Look out for the Anthology of Heroes podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, or anywhere else you get your podcasts from.